Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, bringing TV shows out of the vault while we're stuck in one. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I, whenever you do a good job, do a good job. I just tell you it's a good job, really taking away any mystique, revealing that we didn't plan this at all. There's yeah. no thought process behind it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. And, yeah, we are coming to you remotely this time because we can't be in the same room because no one's allowed to be in the same room as another person right now. To be fair, we frequently record remotely, but that's just because I don't feel like traveling the eight blocks to get to your house. Yeah, I mean, so it's nice to record without pants, you know? Yes. I Yeah. I want you to go back, listeners, and see if you can guess which ones are the pantsless episodes. <laughs> Do you know that uh, traditionally the band Bare Naked Ladies does record one song of every album completely in the nude? Really? Yes. Are you sure that's a thing that they actually do and not just a thing? I mean, that really does fit with the Bare Naked Ladies mystique. It was on there behind the music. so And then there was a picture of them in a recording studio all completely naked together. So, I don't know. Like, is it? So I guess you have to listen to which songs are feel really vulnerable and or and or like the bare naked ladies seem like a couple of comfortable guys like they all like each other quite a lot so I bet they're just having a good time I bet like uh I don't think one week was a naked song but like maybe falling for the first time is a naked song I bet that was a naked song All right see I'm thinking about like the stress the playing of the music would put on your bits like in terms of like how much it would require you to move around is there a lot of bass happening mm, stuff along I mean, those lines i've played like, guitar naked before uh and you know that's not that bad but i i think drums would be the worst to play naked yeah because there's a lot of like reverberation happening like a lot of like movement it, the drumsticks are smashing into something very far away from my testicles when I'm playing the drums, but it's not far away enough. Not necessarily, yeah, depending on the size. Like, some people have their snare drums, like, right up in there, so... Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think, I, I think drums is definitely the worst instrument to play naked. Yeah. I, I don't want any smashing and bashing motions happening anywhere near my exposed genitals. I Just, think, like, as a general rule of thumb. I think keyboard slash piano, probably the best one to play naked, because it's, it's no different for you. Yeah, really. Like, there's it's there's not a lot of movement. Yeah, and the, the instrument is not making direct contact with your body in any way, shape, or form. So... Yeah. Good content! <laughs> Aren't you glad yeah. you tuned in on this, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is it better than hearing about coronavirus yes but only barely yeah We're, welcome welcome here's your here's your escape from the world come into the magical narnia world of two guys talking about their genitals and bare naked ladies like, like <laughs> escape escape one hell to another uh, oh god anyway the uh, bare naked ladies have been dead to me since Stephen page left the band I, I'm not gonna. I I like the Bare Naked Ladies. I have I listened to Bare Naked Ladies for most of my adolescence. I do not know a single person in the Bare Naked Ladies. I feel like that runs counter to their whole deal. I'm surprised that you let it go a couple of minutes ago when I told you that a Bare Naked Ladies have a behind the music and b I've watched it. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want to see memorized the- facts from it. <laughs> Listen, I respect that. Bare Naked Ladies are a good band, and I will go to the mat for them. I don't want to know any of their faces. I don't even, when I, like, most bands, when I have not seen their their faces, I picture what they look like based off of their music. Bare Naked Ladies are just, like, a floating sphere. I don't want to have any idea of who they are or what they look like or what their deal is. Because I feel like I'm going to see a lot of fedoras, and I don't want that. No fedoras. No fedoras, I don't think. Um, okay. 
the the like lead singer of Panic and Ladies looks like uh oh what's his name the tall guy that was on the show Ed he played uh, JD's older brother on Scrubs. Uh, Wait, what? It, it, no, That's who that was. It's it, no, it, that it looks like that guy. It he just oh, looks, it like, looks I'm, like I'm, I'm showing you that, telling you the type of guy. This is unlistenable. I, okay, yeah, no, this we <laughs> we, we took this way brief, too far. We did a brief thing on bare naked ladies and really got into the weeds. I again, is this better or worse <laughs> than me asking you how quarantine is treating you? <laughs> I mean, you and I work from home, right? So Yeah. This is yeah, this is like a minor pivot for me. <laughs> like it's just like it's 95% of the same except at the end of the day, oh, it's different. Right, right. It's it's just that like I can't do stuff on the weekend. I wasn't gonna, but I can't mm-hmm. now. And yeah. that sucks. Be, if I, being a shut-in is fine until you have to be, and then suddenly it's maddening. But the one thing that you can do when you are, uh, you know, in self-quarantine is... Play Animal Crossing? God, not yet. Yeah. Oh, and Nintendo is Nintendo's servers are down for mysterious reasons. Oh, my leading God. Leading to believe that we are trapped in some sort of hell. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you can get caught up on your favorite television shows that got, went off the air 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and you can do that with your favorite commentators, you and me. I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> the favorite commentators, the guys from Blank Check. So today we are getting into uh, Season 3, Episode 7. That's right, Dan, we're doing this now. Um, yeah, let's fucking end this. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Lawman Barney, uh, which airs November 12th, 1962. Written by Aaron Rubin and directed by... It's just the flu, you guys! Bob Sweeney. Dearest Martha, the battle continues to rage on. I fear that the general has become both drunk and mad, and the Confederate line shall never break. Day by day we get sicker and colder, and I yearn for your heaving bosom. Oh, how I wish to return home to our two sons, Jeremy and Matthew. (laughs) Yours fondly, Bob Sweeney. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney loses his self-esteem when two farmers ignore his order to move their produce truck out of town. It's it's an extremely low stakes, high stakes conflict. It's it's very very low stakes. Uh, one thing I want to say, and I I, I say it a couple of times a year, uh, but this is for such a low stakes, unimportant kind of bullshit piddly story. Some of the best work that Sweeney's been put in. It looks cool as fuck, this mo- this episode does. This episode is good. I think the episode is kind of pointless, but in terms of, like, the mechanics of it, both as in writing and in, like, visual storytelling, it is firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, it's more of a tech demo than anything else, I feel like. It's that, it's... Real experimental stuff. Not experimental, because it's like techniques that have been around forever. But it's just Bob Sweeney just like going out some of the tools of the trade and employing some really interesting camera angles, some cool framing, uh, really pulling from like a real heavy Western influence. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Bob like yelled over his shoulder like, hey guys, have you ever noticed that when you shoot people from higher or lower angles, it can make them look cooler or less intimidating? And everyone was like, Oh, good job, Bob. You really cracked that. Really, really impressive, man. Proud of you. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Uh, Barney is out on Main Street, uh, just walking his beat. Uh, and just chilling. He, and he sees two guys who are on a road, and I, I can't quite tell how far away from town they are, because it looks like they are a mile outside of town, but it's also possible that they are just like, 40 feet from town square. It makes no sense. It no. is really bad script supervision that happens because it is extremely unclear the distant, like the geography of where anything is happening. Because like in terms of the story beats, one second, these, this road that these farmers are on is like 10 miles away. And one second, it is like 20 feet from, from the jail. It's very poorly managed. Uh, actually, that that's one point against the thing I said of it firing on all cylinders. So, not great. 
so yeah barney sees two guys they are by the side of the road uh they've got a bunch of produce and signs and stuff and they're selling they're selling vegetables out of the back of a truck uh basically which i guess is illegal in uh in mayberry um yeah (laughs) they're selling it's not that they can't sell it's that they're selling too close to main street like they have to go further away from the town because it like disrupts the store's business which we know for a fact is bullshit because we have seen Andy and Barney put together a pop-up shop for a guy. Yeah! They just they set up a shop in a vacant lot. They didn't give a shit about street side selling then. Yeah, they've engineered this scenario and said on the basis of, it's fine, that law is stupid. And now they're just like rolling up like, well, 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 look who's breaking this super important law. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, hypocrisy. So Barney shows up and he like tries to get those guys, these two guys, uh, to move along. Um, we've seen one of them before. Uh, we've seen one of them before. Uh, who played? He, he plays the. Oh, he played Best Western Hotel Detective, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was Best Western Hotel Detective, and he was also uh, Doc Malloy in the Jailbreak episode, the guy yeah. that broke out of jail. So yeah, we're gonna see him more like he's gonna be in like six more episodes we'll see him again and then <laughs> he gets a recurring need... co- he gets a recurring role on a start gomer pile usmc which we'll never watch <laughs> he's uh, the way i would describe him is like he has a very prominent chin it just is lower than his chest like it he, he has a very prominent chin deep within his body like his his head just feels like sort of like a straight plank, like Ed from Ed, Ed, and yeah, Ed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we, we've mentioned him before. He uh, went on to play Sam the Butcher on uh, the Brady Bunch. That was kind of his most famous Right. Role. Yeah, uh, he fucked the Brady's housekeeper a whole bunch. That's yeah, weird. good for him. He kind of looks, in his older years, he kind of looks a little bit like Hugh Hefner. But in this role, he's playing, for some reason, all half the farmers on this show act like fucking mob bosses. <laughs> yeah. They all act like like wise guys like yeah, what do you think, Shrimp? You can't push me around. You think that you can take this? Like, they all, they're fucking bumpkins who act like they're on the fucking Sopranos. I don't, and that's what happens. Barney goes up and he, you know, tries to get these guys to move along. Uh, Pretty and- nice town here. Would be a shame if I harvested some corn. <laughs> Yeah, and Barney, Barney's just like, okay, you're new in town. Let me explain to you. Look, you can't sell here. Please move along. And they basically look at him and go, no. Yeah. <laughs> Which, the balls on these guys really respect it. They, like, a cop comes up, and they're they're just like, no, on the basis of, like, like you, I could kick your ass. Yeah. Like, that is, that is more than 99% of human beings in America right now. Like. Real, like, uh, fourth grader logic on this one. Mm. Just like, I don't have to recognize your authority, hall monitor. I can push you into a trash can. Barney Fife definitely got pushed into a lot of trash cans. If that had gone any further, a locker would have just materialized out of thin air and they would have stuffed him into it. Like, like, they were kind of playing a game because he had a gun and they were just like, you're not going to shoot me. Fuck you. you! Shoot me! I dare you! Shoot me! Do it! Uh, they they stared him down. These farmers are badass. Yeah, they they look at him. They call him lame. They they make him fun of him. They they're like, "Oh, are you a lawman? Which one are you? Are you Wyatt Earp? Oh, are you the Lone Ranger? I bet you're the Lone Ranger's horse, bitch." They take his gun and they just start playing <laughs> keep away with it. Yeah, they just give him a wedgie, which is amazing because his shirt is tucked into his underwear already. Like. <laughs> One of them just, like, kind of fucks Barney's mom. It's a very prolonged, uncomfortable scene. And so, that's it. And then Barney's just like, you, you'll see, you're gonna be sorry you mess with me, Barney Five, and then runs away. You're not even really paraphrasing. That is, like, verbatim what he says. Um, He also does specifically yell, I'm the law! Like... Like a like a dog shit judge dread, really living <laughs> up to our cover art. <laughs> Gaze into the limp wrist of dread. <laughs> oh my god, you had no idea how prophetic that would turn out to be when you made that uh, that icon. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of weird that icon came to me in a dream. 
Like, I woke up in a cold sweat and I just said, I must put a Judge Dredd helmet on Barney Fife. Cut to the jail, where Opie and Andy are hanging out and they're just playing darts on the bulletin board where you're supposed to put wanted posters. I found that very funny. Credit where it's due, Ronnie Howard, good shot, you know, nearly hits the bullseye, uh, hits the kind of the narrow part of like the 15 or whatever. You are missing like the four shots where little Ronnie Howard put a dart in a PA's shoulder. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like... (laughs) <laughs> there's and it was little ronnie howard so they couldn't say shit so like he was just sinking darts into a key grips uh chest and he was just like Argh! so close Ron- ronnie we gotta get this shot you can do it did you listen to the thing i said about keeping your wrist straight just try that more for a little while i was trying to figure out like, because when, when he throws a dart, you only see him from behind. So I was trying to figure yeah. out, like, did they get a double for that, like, in Flashdance or, like, anytime you see a, a, an actor's, like, feet when they're dancing and it's clearly not them? I was trying to figure out how they could have possibly got just a stand-in for Ronnie Howard to throw that dart. <laughs> and then I realized just, that makes no sense. The kid can throw a dart. It's not like he gets a bullseye or anything. Yeah, it's a fucking dart. Yeah. Like, they didn't have, like, today, you absolutely could not put a dart in a child actor's hands because, you know, Insurance? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, these days, you can, they can have one scene where little Ronnie Howard juggles a chainsaw and they'll, they'll be fine. Like, it wouldn't make any sense in the story, but the insurance people would be like, fuck it. He's a <laughs> child. We just made a shitload of those. <laughs> children children. we just fucked our brains out and we have so many kids and we're kind of in trouble about it so if you want to like kill one with your movie off like it's fine go for a john landis yeah (laughs) (laughs) just that's we need to unleash john landis on the unsuspecting populace to thin out some of these fucking kids we might have to delete that because john landis did actually fucking decapitate two children you know what john landis is dead and his son's a piece of shit so i don't come at us fuck it i don't care uh if you don't know what we're talking about uh on the set of the twilight zone movie john landis broke a whole bunch of child labor laws and safety laws and killed Two people, including a child and a stuntman. Three people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he killed uh, two children and a stuntman. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck John Landis. Andy and Opie are playing darts, uh, and Opie is pretty good, and he's like, do you want to play for money? Andy explains the difference between an amateur and a professional. Opie's like, okay, well, I think I'd like to be a professional amateur. I want to play because I like playing, but I'd like it a lot more if I got paid. And you know what? I get it, Ope. (laughs) Yeah, we're all kind of there right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Barney comes in, uh, pouting, seeing all sad. Andy like sends Opie away, and Barney because <laughs> Andy's like, oh shit, he's about to start firing off his gun like any second. Yeah, I have to get my child very far away from this place. <laughs> and Andy <laughs> tries to strike up a conversation. He's like, so uh, what's going on? You fighting with Thelma Lou? You doing okay? Uh, he mentions a time, he's like, did the, the laundry put too much starch in your shirt? Because last time they put too much starch in your shirt, it chased your arm, chafed your armpits, and you were mad all day. <laughs> Just really, really hammering in the, like, old married coupleness of these two. Hey, um, to, to ease your wounded pride, do you remember this time that you were, like, a huffy little man? Just like, like a pug, basically? Uh, just fiddling with your collar too much. How, how, how about that? Does that help? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know he's doing it, but it is like the worst thing to hear. Uh, uh but yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, Barney gets snippy and kind of rude. Um, Andy like goes out and I don't remember what Barney throws, but he throws something. Yeah. He throws his hat or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. The next thing that happens is Andy goes up uh, onto the street, uh, and he sees the same two farming vendors. Uh, mm-hmm. And he comes up and he's like, hey, gentlemen, um, I just want to let you know, we want you to move along here. You know, the businesses don't take too kindly to street vendors here. So please move on up the road and find a new spot. Uh, and they start to, uh, like, make fun of Andy. They start to try yeah. to pull that shit, and Andy's like, okay. Well, move on now. He doesn't even say any reasons for him to move on. He doesn't do any tough guy shit. He's just like, 
no, but yeah, cool. But like, go, please. Yeah, like, leave now. Yeah. Uh, and they they kind of do like a like a tough guy off. They kind of do a little bit of dick swinging, uh, and they're like, "Well, who says we got to move on?" And Andy points at him, says, "Well, I say you got to move on." And then he points at his badge, and he goes, "Better yet, this says you got to move on." They look at each other like, "All right, fine, we'll go." He's not. Looks like this one isn't fooling. Not this one. And Andy goes, "Wait, what do you mean by not this one?" Yeah. They they say like there was a skinny guy that came up here earlier. He we he was a clown. He was making speeches and carrying it on and, and waving his arms. We, and then he took off like a quail. Andy gets an idea and he says, "Oh, I wish you hadn't done that. I wish you hadn't <laughs> done that." Now my my deputy's gonna play that ugly game he always plays. Insane move that basically happens here, um, because he says, uh, Barney's going to gun you down. Um, he calls him Barney the Beast, Barney the Fierce Crazy Gun, or no, Barney the Fierce, Crazy Gun Barney, and says his move is to act scared and then just gun them down. Yeah. So basically, his plan for this is to do the terrible thing that Barney does all the time. Which is pretend like Barney is a deranged killing machine. Yes, yes. Uh, this whole episode is about enabling Barney. Uh, and yeah. he, proving how well he knows his friend, he talks about Barney's nervous tics. And he's like, tell you what, he's got to tell. When he sees you, he's going to clear his throat. He's going to tug on his collar. He's going to tap on his gun. And uh, when he does that, you better run. You better yeah. run. He scares the shit out of them. And they start like throwing stuff in the back of the truck. Uh, and he asks how long it's going to take for them to uh, pack up. They're like, we'll be out of here in like <laughs> half an hour. Um, you know you know how this could have 100% broken? Is that like Barney goes up and he like uh, clears his throat, tugs his collar, taps his holster. And then one of the farmers pulls out a double barrel shotgun and just empties it in his chest. All right. It's like, he was going to shoot me. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, because... What I wanted to talk about is how much this episode reminds me of one of my favorite movies, uh, a Western that came out earlier this year. Uh, I'm sorry, earlier in 1962, earlier than the year we're talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. It's called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance with mm -hmm. Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Uh, and part of the reason this movie made, or this episode made me think of it is because, like, anytime you do a Don Knotts impression, you're kind of just doing, like, Jimmy Stewart ramped up two octaves in both intensity <laughs> and pitch. But uh, I believe the, the, the formula is Jimmy Stewart, but he's trapped in a well. Jimmy Stewart, but he's being <laughs> stung by bees. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Stewart, but he's on the side of the road and he's badly hurt. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, but he just fell off a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Stewart came up too fast after scuba diving and got the bends. That's how you do a Don Knotts. Uh, so, okay, in, in this movie, um, Jimmy Stewart plays a lawyer named Ransom Stoddard, one of the greatest like movie names of all time. Uh, yeah. And he travels out to this western town uh, to settle and to practice law. Uh, and he gets involved in some local politics. Namely, he gets involved in whether or not this territory will become a state. Um, mm -hmm. The anti-statehood forces are the, like, cattle barons who own all of the land, and they want to keep it open range so that they can enforce the law their way. They employ a gangster named Liberty Valance, who mm -hmm. uh, is terrorizing the town. He opens up the movie by beating the shit out of Jimmy Stewart, essentially. That's kind of how uh, he... Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, with a whip. Uh, and... So, Liberty Valance and his gang are terrorizing the town on behalf of the cattle barons, uh, and there's a face-off, basically, between Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, Ransom Stoddard, and John Wayne's character, who already lives in the town, who's also a tough guy. Uh, his name is Tom Donegan. These two don't team up, per se. They kind of have, like, a healthy, begrudging respect for each other, and they both kind of have different ways to be foils for Liberty Valance. One of them does, in fact, eventually shoot Liberty Valance. That's where the, the title of the movie comes from. Right. It deals heavily with a lot of the themes that we see in this episode and in things that we see in The Andy Griffith Show 
in general, especially from here on. Because there's a lot of discussion of, like, how much force do you actually need to enforce the law? What What is the law? And why is it important? Do you actually need to carry a gun? There's a lot about legend building, essentially. Uh, and is it okay to lie if it for the greater good? Essentially, there's a theme in this movie. So, fantastic film, and came out earlier in 1962. It was released in May of 1962, uh, mm-hmm. and this is October of 1962. So, I would say it's likely that the writers of the Andy Griffith Show saw this movie and took some of this, uh, some of these themes, and played it for comedic effect. In this role here, um, both Andy and Don play kind of the Jimmy and John Wayne parts, respectively other way around uh so but they're both andy is john wayne detuned in intensity he's still the stoic one uh Mm -hmm. and barney is jimmy stewart really hyped up and trying to prove his masculinity i had just a couple of i i don't know how much to talk about this movie without really spoiling it honestly Mm -hmm. uh but yeah a big theme of this is is it okay to lie for the common good which is also a big theme in the andy griffith show so yeah, and so, so for, for this, I actually yeah. saw a similar comparison. Um, so uh, and this is possibly something that the Andy Griffith Show drew off of. Um, twenty eleven saw a movie called Rango come out, starring one Johnny <laughs> Depp. Uh, actually, not actually Johnny Depp. He is playing a uh, a chameleon, an escaped lizard, and he actually runs into a similar situation where he has to use deceit to bring order to a lawless western town and that kind of gets into the morality of uh of can you escape violence through deception and what is deception in the larger scheme of morality i feel um, like you're making and fun i think of it's me. a very somber meditation i feel like you're making fun of me but you're fucking right rango is one of the best westerns of the past 20 years so yeah no i'm 100 percent on your side here yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, they're both have a oh, fucking Rango kicks ass. Rango rules. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're, I, I think it's generally the thing of like, they're both situations where a, um, a character lies about being a tough guy as a way to, uh, prevent violence. And, and this episode like really leans in on some Western tropes. Like they're coming up. We'll see kind of a, a showdown, uh, between a weakened, kind of unwilling, scared uh, Don Knotts and the two bullies that have been terrorizing him, which is yeah. very similar to the climactic scene in Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Fuck, I gotta see that movie. Yeah, it's it's um, available on Amazon Prime, uh, and it's only two hours, so you can watch it in an evening. It's pretty good for most Westerns. Back to the jail, Andy comes in, and this is such a stupid plan. Just really yeah. setting Barney up to get fucking murdered. Uh, yeah. Andy comes in and he tells Barney, he's like, hey, uh, something I want you to do. I want you to go over. Uh, I heard that there were some street vendors. And I want you to go and uh, clear, out, clear them out. And Barney makes up some excuse. He's just like, oh, I've got, I've got too much work to do. i got to clean stuff out. Uh, and Andy goes, no, I want you to do it because he knows that the two street vendors are scared of him now. So- uh, basically, like Barney tries to lie about having work to do. Andy says, like, it's your fucking job. Like, he actually, it's a very serious moment where he's like, this is your job. Go do it. And, like, Barney goes outside and he, like, nervously walks up to the street vendors. And then he does his nervous tick. Um, and then, yeah, one of them pulls out a fucking gun <laughs> and empties it into Barney's chest uh, <laughs> with very probable cause to do so. Because the sheriff just told them that they were going to get executed in the street. <laughs> um, end of series. Yeah. And he has to testify in court whether or not he said that to the farmers. Uh, he is removed from office in disgrace. And Obi becomes a ward of the state. Uh, also a plot point in Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, should point out. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, someone adopts Ron Howard? <laughs> yeah, someone adopts Ron Howard in that movie. Um, Barney pulls up onto the street... And this is where we get the showdown thing. I sh- we should point out, like, as Dan mentioned earlier, they are playing a lot with camera angles. Uh, they shoot Barney from either the top or the bottom, depending on how big they want to make him look, how cool they want to make him look, or how, how small and shrunken. Uh, and in this particular frame, it's got some Old West feeling, but everything works to make Barney look so small. Uh, yeah. 
And Don Knotts wasn't exactly a, a short man, but everything like makes him look some of the best acting we've seen Don Knotts do because he's like telling them to clear out. Uh, he does he does his nervous tics. Uh, they see they make him look very small, but they also give him a really long shadow. Yeah, like they kind of so they kind they Bob Sweeney sort of establishes the duality of that moment where like. He's very little, but there's a lot of shot behind him, mm. and it kind of creates like that western vibe of like like a long shadow behind him, sort of a high noon look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't have to do anything because you know they're already they're already afraid of him. They see him tug on his shirt and clear his throat and tap his gun, and they just run. They're <laughs> like, "We're gone. We're going. We're getting out of here, deputy. Bye." And Barney, of course, the, you did the worst thing you could possibly do, which was enable Barney's mania in any way shape or form uh-huh. yeah like okay this uh, this is another incident that we've we've identified ten thousands of these Andy's a bad friend here yeah because he has a genuine moment where like barney is emasculated and like he he's having like a moment of like vulnerability and andy should be like hey buddy here's what you should do and tell him to do basically what he does at the end of the episode yeah and instead he sets like he just inflates his ego again and makes him like and just prolongs this situation where like the next time this happens, Barney is either going to actually open fire or go home and kill himself. Yeah, there's no follow through in any of these like thoughts. Yeah. And weirdly, the version of this where he does the right thing would have been so much easier. Sure. It's it's a 10 minute conversation versus like an elaborate lie that is held together with duct tape. I mean, honestly, none of this needed to happen. Andy could have done absolutely nothing, and the like same effect would have happened, right? Like he had already gotten rid of them. Uh, he didn't need to make up that ridiculous story, and yeah. that. But but then we would have no episode. Blah blah blah. Barney comes into the jail and he's feeling like a big man. And now we're shooting from the bottom to make him look tall as hell. Uh, and he yeah. does he does the fucking youth pastor thing where he like flips his hat and then flips a chair around and sits in it backwards, which is so weird. Suddenly uh, he's wearing a nice pair of Skechers. <laughs> We'd love to make fun of fucking youth pastors. <laughs> which in our defense, they are the most ridiculous human beings walking the earth. <laughs> I mean, it does, uh, he, he does do the let's rap about real things, like yeah. like the, the way that you're trying to relate to teens pose. And of course, like now he's too big for his britches and he doesn't want to do like any of the work around the office because there's too much uh, too much crime activity for me to go stop out there. Whatever. His, his line of that's the wild he says, that's the wilderness out there. And every so often a beast of prey comes stalking in. My job is to run him out, which kind of eerily is the is almost like verbatim the opening speech from american sniper which (laughs) kind of like drives home how fucking influential this show is of like barney is saying this is a fucking joke and years later like a clint eastwood movie is saying it like word for word as like a super meaningful oscar monologue Right, so the next thing is the gas station. Right, um, so, so we're at the gas station, which I think might be the first time we've seen the gas station. And soon to become a crucial location. Yes. Uh, and Floyd is just rambling about different kinds of soda. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd, like a three-minute soda monologue. Just, and it's not like he's doing observations about soda. It's not like he's like, have you ever noticed this about soda? Like, he's not doing a shitty Seinfeld bit. He's just like... Do you know that there's all these different flavors of soda? There's grape. Mmm, I love me some grape. And there's orange. Ooh, orange. And, like, he's just doing, like, like he says a type of soda, and then he says, ooh. Like, he just does a noise. It's terrible. I hate this character so much. Who loves yeah. orange soda? Floyd loves orange soda. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, I do. We do, we do. So he's, he's, I, like, he's fucking killing pulls- it. Yeah. He pulls on his collar and makes a couple of noises like he's Charlie fucking Kellis. Like, he's the worst character ever. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. the, the, the pump guy is like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I got a good drink for you. How about some fucking ethanol? He just, <laughs> he hates his, he tells Floyd to go drink gasoline. To, sh- to, think- to shut the fuck up. 
I think in the margins of this show, it's just Floyd wandering from place to place. Like, oh, you got a flower shop here. I, ooh, I love blue flowers and and purple flowers and mm, yellow flowers. And people are just like, get away from my store, you pervert. I don't know what kind of pervert you are, but you're one and you're a bad one. And I want you nowhere near my place of business. Like, it's just Floyd getting shooed away. <laughs> it's every every bit of Floyd's whole deal, we've tried to figure this out, it's like he's trying to hide how horny whatever is happening is making him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's imagine that I had, like, a weird inflation fetish. You know, yeah. imagine. <laughs> and then I saw, then I was just walking down through the park, and I saw somebody just inflating a whole bunch of balloons. <laughs> and I was trying to hide how turned on I was and trying to act normal. That's Floyd with everything. <laughs> and I was, like, we were just walking down the street, I'd be like, hey, Marty, what's up? And you'd be like, mm, this ice cream is so good. Ooh, have you had oh, this? Oh, oh there's oh, strawberries oh. in it. Mm. <laughs> I am so... <laughs> nuts for this ice cream right now and it is important that i express that to you my good friend floyd <laughs> floyd is a man whose fetish is everything and he floyd, doesn't do a good job of hiding it floyd there is a joke in a couple of episodes back of where joy floyd think floyd um floyd talks about fucking a horse and that is like maybe top 10 weirdest things about the character you know, honestly now that we've, we've cracked the code here i almost feel for floyd because like dan imagine if just like everything made you horny all the time and you had to like be a semi-functioning member of society with a job and shit okay so imagine what it's like to be 16 like okay fair point yeah <laughs> like oh 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 yeah i'll just try to function while being blindingly horny at everything around me yeah yeah i'll just try to envision that did floyd also have to take geometry first period where the fuck are we so so the vendors the guys that andy <laughs> just told to fuck off they pull up to the um they pull up to the gas station uh, yeah. And then Barney also drives by and, like, honks and waves, whatever. And the vendors are just there because they want to fill up their radiator. Uh, and then the ven- the two, like, vendor farmers are like, yo, is that uh, that your deputy? We heard that he was, like, a real mean guy who would, like, shoot us. And then everyone talks shit on Barney like crazy. <laughs> it just it's- rips into him. It's Floyd and then, like, like the guy who works at the gas station and then just like some guy that is just like hanging out and they all just talk mad shit on Barney. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, like, it's like, Oh, he's a killing machine. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Like, what is he killing? Parking tickets? (laughs) He's a complete bitch. Yeah. Like, like their, their lines are like, Oh, he doesn't actually do any police work. He's really limp wristed. Uh, like, and he's fucking lazy. Like they just, Dig into him. Uh, so then the vendors figure it out. They realize that they were, you know, bamboozled, essentially. Uh, and they they do, again, some mobbed up farmer bullshit. Like, you see that deputy of yours. You tell him the two guys that are selling the vegetables are back. And we'd love to have him as a customer. So Floyd <laughs> goes. They're just like, who are you? Farmers. You don't <laughs> fuck with farmers. We sell produce and fruit. We got some pears to sell, and it's serious business. <laughs> so Floyd, of course, goes to jail and is just like, "Oh, they le- some gentleman left a message for Barney. They said that the farmers are back in town selling, and they'd love to have him as a customer." <laughs> real, real fucking Mister Peanut Butter vibe off of Floyd in this scene. <laughs> Well, okay, so Floyd does come in and he's like, hey, like, be still super cheerful. He's like, hey, buddy, I fucked up so bad. I don't know what I fucked up, but I know I did it super terrible. Oh, by the way, have you tried this soda they have at the gas station? And then he does another one where he's like, oh, I've been going to this gas station. Oh, they got, have you had a cream soda, Andy? Mm, cream soda. Like, he does another. Like, keep it together. It's the worst character. 
Uh, Barney, we should point out, is not in the room. He overhears Floyd and Andy's conversation from the next room. And he starts to piece it together like, oh, I know what happened now. Marty, Floyd is like if you were growing a Kramer in a te- in a in a lab, but you took him out too early. Like he's like a proto Kramer. <laughs> like he wasn't done. A Kramer cake that's still soft in the middle and runny. Like you're you're trying to synthesize the perfect comedic life form. You've gathered comedy genetics from every from all of history, but suddenly test subject zero zero two escapes from the lab, and you need to send it. Out, you need to send guards after it with like trank guns while it rambles on about sodas it's horny for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Um, Barney's in the back and Floyd starts talking about how laughable it is that Barney is a tough guy. He's like, can you imagine? And, uh, then he, he bounces and Barney comes out. Barney realizes it and Andy's like, all right, I'm going to go deal with this. There's a big point about him not taking his gun again. And then Barney's like, can I come along? I want, I want to deal with this properly. Yeah. Andy's specific line is the badge does all my talking for me. Which, Um, no, it does not. But all right. (laughs) Yeah, lies do all your talking for you, but sure, sure. Um, and they they get to the street, and Barney says, like, hey, can you pull over early? Which, again, it's a five-second walk from their jail. Why did they need to drive there? But whatever. Um, Barney does and- the, like, the like junior high, like, pull over here all and, and let me off. I'll walk the rest of the way to school, Mom. Except it's the exact opposite. He kicks Andy out of the car and drives up on his own. Yeah. He pulls up to the vendors, um, and then there's, like, the big showdown scene that we both referenced where he says, like, hey, it's time for you to move. And they square up on him. Like, they, like, walk up and get real close in his personal space. Um, And his his line is, do you see this badge? I'm sworn to uphold the law. Respect it. You're bigger than me. But I represent something that's a lot bigger than either of you. And then they just kind of, like, solemnly walk away. And then Andy comes up super happy, and Barney almost faints. Which, I I mean, I guess, did they suddenly decide, well, I guess we will respect the law? You know, a couple of minutes ago, we didn't give a shit about the law, but I guess we do respect this. How have these men not been arrested? I'm sorry, they're so arrest-happy on this show, and this is now the third fucking time. Just cuff them. Just put cuffs on Yeah, you arrest people for whatever. Just arrest these guys. Put them in the jail cell for 20 minutes. It'll be fine. I like to think that they, like, they went home and, like, got out books and was like, Hey, Phil, you heard about this law thing that's going on? (laughs) Jesus, that little guy wasn't fucking around. (laughs) It says here they can put you in jail for violating the social contract. Jesus Christ. We've been living our lives like animals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so i feel like this is something i'm so when he says like i represent something that's a lot bigger than either of you is he saying like hey the law is important and good or is he saying i can call a bunch of other cops like if you beat the shit out of me a bunch of other cops will come shoot you okay for for either one of those, I feel like it's more the latter than the former. But hmm. for either one of those, the fact that these guys have been allowed to get away with it three fucking times disproves his entire point. Because the law means nothing if you do nothing to uphold the law. Right? Yeah. So the fact that these guys have just been allowed to to get away with flouncing the law three times means that Barney is wrong or he doesn't represent shit. Well, I mean, the the only thing he can, he can, he can represent is the threat of punishment, right? Yeah. And so far there's been none. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's basically what he says at the end is like, Hey, um, I got, I got guys that can fuck you up. Like you can fuck me up, but I can just like kind of make a phone call and there can be helicopters here. Motherfucker. Which is so... which is also a bluff, right? Because no, he can't. The only person he can call is Andy, and we've seen that Andy doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, and I don't know. They can go get shotguns or whatever. Roll, but, roll for like... bluff check, Barney. <laughs> so I mean, okay, 
this it kind of we're finally kind of getting into the meat of Andy Griffith's anti gun stance. Yeah. Um, and I think as we point out, Andy like people have thought the Andy Griffith show was anti gun. Andy Griffith's show is anti cops with guns. Andy Griffith show does not have a lot of issues with uh people having guns. You know what though? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I'll take 100%. that. It's better. Listen, yeah. like the Andy, I'm. I think we're we're about to like talk about the flaws in the Andrew Griffith show logic here and the shortcomings. It's better. The Andrew Griffith show stance on uh on the state of gun control in America and the arming of the police would take it in a fucking heartbeat. I'd take that deal. Yeah. Like yeah, something to fucking aspire to. The fun the framework on it is still like it's closer to the like the way it functions in England where it's like hey if you like all none of our cops have guns but if you fuck up one of our cops cops with guns are gonna show up <laughs> like there is still the inherent monopolization and threat of violence it's just on a time delay so so the last scene the stinger is you know what guys you fucking know what the stinger is you know what's gonna happen here <laughs> let's not play this game you know there's there's been talk of a gun we just had a nice moment of gun control. Guess how it's fucking undermined. You just gotta guess what does Barney shoot. So, he does, like, the whole thing, like, hey, my gun is awesome, and if they hadn't walked away, I would have shot him. And <laughs> this is notable. Barney, like, grabs for his gun to do a fake draw, and he does shoot the tire of their car. Um, He misses Andy's leg by, like, nothing. Yeah, he's, like, th- like he is standing... Right next to Andy, and by all accounts, like, I, I if we pulled up some game film and did some John Madden like tracking of angles and shit and drew on there, he should have shot Andy right in the kneecap. Like, it yeah, makes he, no sense. He brushed Andy's leg hair with that fucking bullet. Like, Andy was like, "Oh man, you shot our tire," and he should have been like, "Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> yeah. Why do I believe in you for a second? Why do I give you a second of faith? <laughs> oh my God, you just almost took my leg clean off! <laughs> Fuck! Jesus fucking! Why shit. do I keep doing this to myself? Am I crazy?" I'm in constant danger, and I keep forgetting it. Uh, and then end of episode. And that's it. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Uh, it was a stupid episode. Nothing really of any importance happened. Uh, and But we got <laughs> some was... cool shots out of it. Uh, something I should point out from the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki uh, in, in their notes slash trivia. Until the premiere of the show Hot in Cleveland in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. Great start. <laughs> Any reference to the TV show Hot in Cleveland is automatically funny. Until the premiere of Hot in Cleveland in 2010, a 2000 airing of this episode was the most watched episode in the history of the TV Land Network. How the fuck do you even know that, Mayberry Wiki? <laughs> yeah. How, how do you know this? Like, someone on the Mayberry Wiki has an inside source at TV land. Actually, like, that, that's incredibly leaks. believable. That's, yeah. yeah. I, I would never believe anything more than that. Yes. Like, hey, give me that hot goss, Ted, who works in the accounting department at uh, TV land. Oh, well, get this. Until, uh, like, you, you you know how popular this one episode of TV, of, uh, of the Andy Griffith Show was? Guess what? Fucking hot in Cleveland <laughs> knocked it off. And I was like, oh, the people have to know about this shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there we go. A little bit of a, uh, trivia about this episode from the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki. Ratings! <laughs> Ratings! Uh, how good is this episode, Dan? Andy Meter? I don't know. My feelings on it have gone up and down over the course of recording. I'm gonna put... It has some good shots. I feel like in... It has, like, a nice little con, which I always like in an Andy Griffith Show episode. But on the other hand, everything Floyd says and does with his body. <laughs> so I'm going to put it, like, a six. I was also going to say six. I, I just didn't like this episode that much. It's it's dumb. Uh, there's not yeah. really much point to it. But, yeah, there's some cool elements. Uh, and then and, or Barney Meter, like, how weird and gross is this? I mean, 
it scores a couple of points for ever enabling any of Barney's behaviors ever. So, but not too many. Um, Man, I'm looking at the gallery for this, and there are just some kick-ass shots that I'm going to, like, probably post on Twitter. Uh, Four. Four for me. No, three. Three on a FIFO-meter. Like, just by default, really. Let's see. So, I don't know. Floyd made me very uncomfortable. Like, Yeah, but there's not anything, like, morally gross about Floyd. It's just viscerally gross. I don't know. It It was really, like... It was like someone making eye contact with me in the urinal. Like it, <laughs> I felt uncomfortable and unsafe watching this episode, which I feel like makes it morally reprehensible. So I'm going to put it at probably a seven. All right, sure, a seven because Dan needed an adult for this episode. Whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That is it for this episode, and that's it that for this episode of breaking mayberry as well always remember you know if you want if you like what you hear if you like what what's going on remember to like and subscribe and you can really help us out by giving us a rating or review on the podcatcher of your choice but preferably apple podcast uh that gets us into search engine results and helps us pop into other people's earbuds we are the number 22 podcast in the tv and film category in ireland for a little yeah. bit Where's, listen i i want over the course of this quarantine i have a few goals i'm going to finish a screenplay i'm going to like uh probably learn how to cook some new stuff but the number one goal is i'm gonna fucking be the podcast king of ireland if it fucking kills me i know i'm gonna rule the, the i'm gonna rule that aisle with an iron podcast fist and you people need to deliver me there i know for a fact i know for a fact it's just two guys that i know in ireland hi nile hi (laughs) Dwayne. nile and Dwayne call people (laughs) anyway so that's that's that uh the music you heard was by max ludwig uh who is on twitter at as at sleep talkie uh you can get at us on the internet uh uh, we are at Break Mayberry on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry, Instagram uh, Breaking Mayberry, uh, Breaking Mayberry on, I don't know, Clout? <laughs> Let's get a fucking Clout account. <laughs> uh, on the on Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm on Twitter at the Luds 2 ds uh, and that is basically it for us. We will see you next time, hopefully from out of the quarantine zone, uh, but probably not, uh, because the world is a hellscape. World's a hellscape. Good night, everyone. <laughs> see y'all down at the fishing hole. <laughs> the great closer. Oh, <laughs> 